Episode 82 New England's late summer's glory. Where does Rhode Island go? The chill and dry of the north. Don't worry, I am your Huckleberry. Greetings and welcome in to the Patuxet General. This week we definitely have a theme and that is huckleberries. You may think that this is a simple issue, but I swear I have learned so much this week about this plant that I'm stunned. Today we'll be talking about the wild plant that humans have been using for over 11,000 years for food, religious symbolism, healing, and bait. Huckleberries are full of vitamins A, B, and C, while also being high in iron and potassium. This being said, I'm not sure how our culture turned this into a threat. Huckleberry wreaths were put on winning jousters' lances for Queen's defenders in Britain. Huckleberries fed countless people and animals throughout North America during the winter months. This was because they could grow places where berries had no chance. High altitudes with deep snows during the winter to encourage growth. This episode has barbecue pork ribs, a fresh huckleberry cocktail, huckleberry folklore, harrowing bear tale, and Henry David Thoreau. All to celebrate huckleberries, which are in season right now. But first, I must thank our Patreon subscribers. These wilderness appreciative folks are the Maglite bug repellent long socks and pants, hat, long sleeve shirts, binoculars, boots, trail water, camera, bag for the trash found along the trail, desire for fresh air and new experience, quiet contemplation, and knowledge not to carve into local trees, without whom we would be clueless in the woods with bears. So thank you. If you would like to enlighten us and join these folk, simply look for our page on patreon.com or follow the links in the show notes. Until then, let's talk about huckleberries. This week, I was lucky enough to get a couple of days away to camp up in New Hampshire's White Lake area with some family. I cannot even count all the new things that I experienced in that time, but I will share a bit. On the second night, while the other two of us slept, the youngest of our group woke up and confidently grabbed her flashlight and set off for the restrooms, which were a decent walk away. Although there were no lights in the campground, she made it there easily. Unfortunately, the bright lights of the building blinded her a bit coming out into the blackness of the mountain woods. Just enough for her to only be able to see what was right in front of her. And that was when she heard it. Ba-dump, ba-dump, ba-dump the sound of an animal galloping. Then she heard the unmistakable sound of a person rushing out into their campsite, trying to protect the food they had foolishly left out from the baby black bear whose butt our girl saw bounding into the woods. Of course, she hustled right back to our site. Safely, I am very relieved to say. I was not surprised of the visit when I found the next day that the park was full of huckleberries, a mainstay of the black bear's diet. I had heard of but never tried huckleberries until that day. I found them sweet and tart with crunchy seeds. Once they were pointed out, I couldn't help but see them everywhere in the park. This made me so curious about this mountain plant. I thought that I might find out more and share it with you. Let's start with a cocktail and a recipe. Then I'll have some interesting bits about huckleberries to share. 
For my fresh huckleberry cocktail, you will need one quarter cup freshly picked huckleberries or frozen defrosted huckleberries. Three ounces of vodka of your choice, even huckleberry flavored vodka if you wish. Three ounces lemonade of your choice or two ounces lemon juice and one and a half ounce simple syrup and one lemon slice and a huckleberry for the garnish. Muddle your huckleberries in your shaker. I like to just add the ice to them and shake. This busts them up enough. Then add your vodka and lemonade, shake and strain into an old-fashioned glass filled with ice and top with huckleberry and a slice of lemon. Enjoy! How about something for dinner to go with that? I'm having Huckleberry Barbecue Pork Ribs. For this recipe, you can use any kind of ribs, but today I have a rack of pork ribs. We will be making a light rub and a Huckleberry Barbecue Sauce to go with it. For the rub, you will need one teaspoon smoked paprika, one teaspoon granulated onion, one teaspoon granulated garlic, one teaspoon black pepper one teaspoon ground mustard. Set your oven to 275 degrees for rainy day cooking like this week. Line your pan with aluminum foil and parchment paper because who wants to eat foil? Peel the membrane from the back of your ribs. It does make a difference. Then pat the rub on both sides of your ribs, cover them with more parchment and foil, and bake for four hours. While that is merrily cooking, Let's make our huckleberry barbecue sauce. For this sauce, you will need two tablespoons olive oil, one onion finely chopped, four cloves garlic finely chopped, three quarters of a cup whiskey of your choice, one cup cider vinegar, one cup brown sugar, one can of tomato paste, one tablespoon salt, two teaspoons black pepper, two bay leaves, and two jalapenos, chopped fine, seeds and ribs removed. Not to mention two pounds of huckleberries. Saute the onions until translucent, then add the garlic. After about a minute or so, put in the whiskey, vinegar, brown sugar, tomato paste, seasonings, jalapenos and huckleberries. Bring to a boil, then blend to thicken. When your ribs have finished baking, generously slather on the sauce and broil or grill for another five minutes. I promise this will blow your mind and get you in touch with the flavors of history. Because these berries aren't new. Archaeologists have found huckleberry pollen in campfire remains from 11,000 years ago. The black huckleberry that I tried this week, or Galacea baccata, closely resembles the blueberry plants that can grow in the same areas, but can be identified by the resin dots on the underside of the leaves that glitter when held up to the light. Many have tried to farm and cultivate huckleberries, but due to their specific growing conditions, most attempts have failed to succeed. Typically, huckleberry seeds need a covering of snow or a period of cold weather to undergo stratification. This is the preparation a seed moves through to get ready for germination. Many also believe that the soil composition found in the wild is hard to replicate commercially. Because of this, 
Huckleberries are often commercially harvested from the wild to be turned into jams or other products. Native Americans have successfully cultivated wild areas of huckleberries for many generations. Crop burnings were carried out to stimulate the growth of the plant. Huckleberries are very common in the areas of recently burnt or clear-cut land. They exceed very well when the competition from other plants is limited. Damp soil with a light acidity is usually the optimum condition for growing huckleberry varieties. Depending on your chosen variety, you may struggle to grow huckleberries unless your land or garden is similar to the conditions the plant experiences in the wild. Many varieties are specifically cultivated and grown as an ornamental addition to the garden. The fruits tend to ripen in late summer, with fall being the perfect time to harvest and forage. Most foragers will collect huckleberries by hand from local plants. However, you may need to journey into a forest or mountainous slope to find your source. It is often suggested to pick huckleberry fruits facing uphill, as this gives you the best angle for seeing any fruits hidden by leaves. Foraging is usually a safe activity, but take care of steep slopes, daylight hours, and also bears if you are in areas where they inhabit. As with all types of foraging, make sure not to pick the area clean. Remember to leave some for other foragers, including wildlife. They are an important food source for many bird species, small mammals, and even bears. When you have collected your fill, keep the berries cool and refrigerate or freeze as soon as you get home. I want to tell you about my friend Mike and his electromagnetic pinball museum and restoration arcade. It's an all-inclusive place to relax and share anything related to modern pinball, EM pinball, and arcade games. A group of pinball and arcade fans with an addiction to games of all kinds and Lego too. $10 gets you free play on pinball and arcade games all day. You can find them at 881 Main Street, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, or online at www.electromagneticpinballmuseum.com. A search for huckleberries on AAANativeArts.com introduced me to this Native American folklore story about the origin of strawberries, and I could not resist sharing it with you. But I do want to say first that the incredible homemade crafts for sale on this page deserve your attention, support, and funding. So please check out AAANativeArts.com. They had this to say about the origin of strawberries. When the world was new, there was one man and one woman. They were happy, then they quarreled. At last the woman left the man and began to walk away toward the sunland, the eastland. The man followed. He felt sorry, but the woman walked straight on. She did not look back. Then Sun, the great apportioner, was sorry for the man. He said, Are you still angry with your wife? The man said, No. Sun said, would you like to have her come back to you? Yes, said the man. So Sun made a great patch of huckleberries, which he placed in front of the woman's trail. She passed them, without paying any attention to them. Then Sun made a clump of blackberry bushes and put those in front of her trail. 
the woman walked on. Then Sun created beautiful serviceberry bushes, which stood beside the trail. Still the woman walked on, so Sun made other fruits and berries, but the woman did not look at them. Then Sun created a patch of beautiful ripe strawberries. They were the first strawberries, and when the woman saw those, she stopped to gather a few, and as she gathered them, she turned her face toward the west. Then she remembered the man. She turned to the sunland, but could not go on. She could not go on any further. Then the woman picked some of the strawberries and started back on her trail, away from the sunland. So her husband met her, and they went back together. This article called Manna in Winter, Indigenous Americans, Huckleberries and Blueberries from the American Society for Horticultural Science had this to say. Captain Meriwether Lewis made the following entry into his travel journal on 15 August 1805. This morning I rose very early and was hungry as a wolf. I had eaten nothing yesterday except one scant meal of the flour and berries. Except the dried cakes of berries, which did not appear to satisfy my appetite as they appeared to do of those of my Indian friends. I found on inquire of McNeil that we had only two pounds of flour remaining. This I directed him to divide into two equal parts, and to cook the one half this morning in a kind of pudding with the berries, as he had done yesterday, and reserve the balance for the evening. On this new-fashioned pudding four of us breakfasted, giving a pretty good allowance also to the chief, who declared it the best thing he had tasted for a long time. Henry David Thoreau, the man who went into the woods because he wished to live deliberately, was greatly interested in the natural world around him. In fall 1859, he began to collect phenological lists and charts on many natural seasonal phenomena, including migrating birds and the leafing, flowering, and fruiting of plants. He prepared and finished a manuscript entitled Wild Fruits, which he left wrapped, bound in round paper and string, and placed in a chest. This manuscript, in disarray, was found in papers donated to collections at the New York Public Library in 1940. Bradley Dean interpreted Thoreau's writings, ordered the pages, and published it. This manuscript contained not only data on the fruiting of berry crops in the northeastern United States, but Thoreau researched and referenced more than 20 written citations on native people's use of blueberries, or hortleberries, as he called them. Mr. Thoreau has this to say about huckleberries. I presume that every member of my audience knows what a huckleberry is, has seen a huckleberry, gathered a huckleberry, nay, tasted a huckleberry. And that being the case, you will not be adverse to revisiting the huckleberry field in imagination this evening. Though the pleasure of the excursion may fall far short of the reality, as the flavor of a dried huckleberry is inferior to that of a fresh one. Huckleberries begin to be ripe July 3rd, or generally the 13th, are thick enough to pick at the 22nd, at the height at about the 5th of August, 
and last fresh till the middle of the month. This, as you know, is an upright shrub, more or less stout, depending on the exposure, with a spreading bushy top. It grows brown bark, red recent shoots, and thick leaves. The flowers are smaller and much more red than those of other species. It is said to range from Sacagawean to the mountains of Georgia, from the Atlantic to the Mississippi in this latitude. But it abounds over a small part of this area, and there are large tracts where it is not found at all. By botanists, it is called of late, but I think without good reason, Galicia resinosa, after the celebrated French chemist. If he had been the first to distill its juices and put them in his globular bag, he would deserve this honor. Or if he had been a celebrated picker of huckleberries, perchance paid for his schooling so, or also notoriously a lover of them, we should not so much object, but it does not appear that he ever saw one. What if a committee of Parisian naturalists had been appointed to break this important news to an Indian maiden who had just filled her basket at the shore of Lake Huron? It is as if we should hear that the derogotype had been finally named after the distinguished Chippeway conjurer, the wind that blows. By another, it had been called Andromeda Bacata, or the berry bearing Andromeda. But he evidently lived far away from huckleberries and milk. I observe green huckleberries by the 19th of June, and perhaps three weeks later, when I have forgotten them, I noticed on some hill opposite to the light some black or blue ones amid the green ones and the leaves. Always sooner than I expected, and though they may be manifestly premature, I make it a point to taste them, and so inaugurate the huckleberry season. In a day or two, the black are so thick among the green ones that they are no longer incur the suspicion of being worm-eaten, and perhaps a day later I pluck a handful from the bush, and I do not fail to make a report of it when I get home. Though it is rarely believed, most people are so behindhand in last year's accounts. Early in August, in a favorable year, the hills are black with them. At Nagog Pond, I have seen a hundred bushels in one field, the bushes drooping over the rocks with the weight of them, and a very handsome sight they are. Though you should not pluck one of them, there are of various forms, colors and flavors, some round, some pear-shaped, some glossy black, some dull black, some blue with a tough and thick skin, though they are never of the peculiar light blue of blueberries with a bloom. Some sweeter, some more insipid, etc., etc. More varieties than botanists take notice of. Today, perhaps, you gather some of those large, oft pear-shaped, sweet blue ones which grow tall and thinly among the rubbish where woods have been cut. They have not borne there before a century being overshadowed and stinted by the forest, but they have more concentrated their juices and profited by the new recipes which nature has given them. And now they offer to you fruit of the finest flavor, like wine of the oldest vintage. And tomorrow you come to a strong, moist soil where the black ones shine and with such a gloss, each one its eye on you and the blue are so large and firm, you can hardly believe them to be huckleberries at all, or edible. But you seem to have traveled into a foreign country, or else are dreaming.
They are the firm berry. They are the firmer berry than most of the Hortleberry family. And hence, the most remarkable. Thank you once again for joining us today at the Patuxet General. If you have a question or comment about the remarkable huckleberries, our email is jessapatuxetgeneral.com. Please reach out. We can't wait to hear from you. But until then, I'll meet you right back here next time at the Patuxet General. Something for Posterity Production. Pre-recorded in Patuxet. <laughs> <laughs>